Welcome everyone. My name is Caitlin Forth. I'm the International Employer Liaison Officer here at Careers Network at the University of Birmingham. And welcome to the most recent episode of Career Talk. I am very delighted to say that today we are joined by Toby Oshobie. Hi, Kate. Thank you very much. And that was a perfect pronunciation of my name. So yes, thank you. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really, in particular, excited to hear about you and your career journey. Um, and we'll touch on this later, but I think in particular because of um, what you did whilst at UOB and your involvement in the Guild, I think um, you've got a lot of insight into um, what students can do to kind of make the most of their time um, in Birmingham and in the UK in general. Would you mind just giving us a bit of um, an introduction, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, what you studied at UOB, and kind of what you're up to now? Yeah, of course. Uh, so context, uh, my background, I'm Nigerian, um, lived in Nigeria my whole life. And then in 2018, I came to the UK to study. So I studied a master's in international relations and diplomacy. But before coming to the UK, I already had a degree in French language. Um, so I came here, you know, started studying, met lots of lots of people, made amazing friends who I still chat with today, miraculously. <laughs> um, and at, along the line, I got involved in guild, in quotes, politics. Um, I decided to put myself forward as a postgraduate officer in 2019, won that one, and then I went ahead again to put myself forward. I see the, the torture of being in the political um, landscape was not enough, but well, that's a joke anyway. Um, so I, I, I put myself forward to um, become guild president. So that was also really good. Gained a lot of skills, met a lot of people, both within the university, within Birmingham, and even around the world as well. Um, and after that, I... I uh, got a job for working with a charity. So the charity that I currently work for is called the National Youth Advocacy Service. And I work as the public affairs and engagement officer. It's a fantastic job. Um, it's a fantastic charity that is set out for a good cause. Um, and I'm happy to still expand on this as we move forward in, in terms of the detail of my role and what the charity does. But you know, just summary of who I am, someone who came from Nigeria to pursue a dream um, and did that, in my opinion, brilliantly well, albeit challenges were in the way, um, but here we are. I mean, the amount that you achieved in a short amount of time whilst studying, I think is remarkable. Um, I think it's just worth noting as well that when you come to the UK, I was an international student myself um, when I did my undergraduate. And I think when you come to the UK um, for your studies or when you go anywhere outside of your home country for your studies, it's more than just starting a new degree program. It's learning to kind of live in a different culture, making new friends, kind of, kind of assimilating to maybe a different style of education. I certainly faced that the education style was different. Um, what was expected of me was different. And I think um, add that on top to the fact that you were doing a master's, which is a shorter program 
Um, so mm. I think sometimes when you come for an undergraduate, you have this kind of um, protective cushion, knowing that you've got three years to get quite a lot done. When you come for a postgraduate program, you don't kind of have that um, yeah. luxury of time in the same way. So yeah. the fact that you just kind of threw yourself in at the deep end and got involved in guild politics, which is, you know, no mean feat. They are very time and resource intensive is um, a testament to you. It's a testament to your work ethic. It's a testament to your drive. And it's a testament to kind of the experience that you were determined to have as well. Um, so, you know, that's highly commendable in itself. Thank you. Um, I think you perfectly summed up um what I experienced when I came to the UK because I mean doing a master's degree having like you said a shorter amount of time to um you know our culture like have our culturation uh getting involved with your image of society and understanding what's going on it was really difficult for me and that's one of the things that I tried my hardest to change when I was a postgraduate officer because I wanted especially international students who, who were only going to be in the country for like a year some people tried to get a job and stay behind like I did but you know they couldn't they had to go back home and um which is not a bad thing it's just mm -hmm. we all have different projections right so I tried to make sure that those who were in the UK had a, a very good time and didn't feel like they were outsiders you know and didn't feel that they were too far away from, even if in reality we all were as international yeah. students. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just really nice to hear that you can also relate. And I like how you summed that up because that just represents exactly how I felt when I first came to the UK. It's, um, it's overwhelming. And I think there is yeah. a lot to um, kind of get to grips with in a really short amount of time. You know, that September, October time in particular when you first oh, come yeah. is you know, getting used to, I'm sure in your case as well, there was a huge climate difference, not only kind of just the general <laughs> oh, yeah. culture, but getting used to that, which is, yeah. which is, you know, it's a big deal. And it's something that a lot of international students talk about is getting used to kind of the change in climate, but also um, even the food. The, the, I was going to say the food changes in, in what foods you expect and what foods you hope to find. And, and we're very lucky that Birmingham is a really multicultural city, but also it, it doesn't make it easy, you know, it doesn't mean it's automatically easy. And I think when we then talk mm. about the things that you've got going on in your studies in that time, plus the the majority of kind of um, our activity within the kind of career side of things at university happens within those first few months in terms of, I mean, obviously we have activity going on throughout the year, which is really beneficial, but all the career fairs, a lot of the employers coming onto campus, any graduate schemes, things like that mm -hmm. will all happen within that autumn term. So I feel like it's really important um, for all students and in particular, all postgraduate students and in particular, all international students to really hit the ground running when they start. Because I feel like sometimes if you spend too much time getting used to one aspect of the kind of settling in, you end up missing a whole yeah. category of things that are happening. And um, so that's kind of one of the things that we're trying to do both with this podcast and just generally is trying to raise awareness of what students can do to kind of help themselves when they, when they come to Birmingham, but also whilst they're here to make the most of their time um, in the UK. So um, when you 
when you first came to to Birmingham did you did you have an idea of what you wanted to do as a career after your studies or um were you kind of focused on your education and then thinking about exploring options later or what did you what did you want to do Oh, that's a really good question. And if I'll be honest, it's it's a mix of answers. Mm-hmm. First, because one of the reasons I came is because I thought I had something good going on in my country. And um, because I'd already finished my undergraduate, I was I was a full-time singer-songwriter performing. That was my bread and butter. That was how I was earning my living. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to a point where I just, you know, hit some stumbling blocks along the line, some were emotional, a lot of them were financial. Um, and, you know, you know, when you're in a family environment, but it starts to feel like you're caving in, it starts, it starts to feel like it's caving in on you and you just feel so choked. That was how I felt. And that, okay. that was why, you know, my family saw it best for me to change my environment and explore something different and before then I'd always wanted to do my master's yeah. however I wanted to study in France because you know I obviously have a French degree I wanted to do a master's in France and pursue something in a line of diplomacy so when the option to study in the UK was on the table I started to research more about the UK what is it like then I realized that Birmingham is actually one of like the most multicultural cities. Um, London is also very multicultural, but it's too fast paced for me. And I thought, okay, Birmingham is probably the better choice for me. Um, And so coming here, I didn't have high expectations. I came here partly because I wanted to disconnect from what I'm already used to. And I just wanted to clear my head and maybe learn something new and see what else the future has for me. That was one. And on getting here, I started to think differently. So it wasn't any more about, in quotes, the escape. It was mm-hmm. now more about, okay, so I'm here now. I don't have music, which is always with me anyway. Um, yeah. But I couldn't do music on the visa that I came here with because obviously as a student, you're not allowed to um, perform or be an entertainer. Yeah. Um, you need a different visa for that. So I started to think, okay, how else can I, like what else can I do? And I started to think about my, passion for um, development, my passion for change, my passion, my passion for just being generally a solutions enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to look at the field that I'm in, which is international relations and diplomacy. Um, and looking at the fact that in the past, I've done a lot of grassroots campaigning, even as a singer, I've done a lot of collaborations with charities to give voices to vulnerable children and young people vulnerable adults as well and I thought actually apart from music there is a passion there that has to do with giving back to the society building the society so community engagement community building all of these things and so it's there to shape a new future um, in addition to the one that I already had already seen Um, so summary I came here with little expectations but being a student at Birmingham um, and just meeting different people and just being exposed to a lot of other ideologies made me realize that I could also do other things. You know, what you said is so poignant about how, um, you know, you always had it within you. And, and whilst you weren't able to kind of focus on music whilst you were over here studying, you kind of looked at what else has always been inside of you and what else you've always kind of been mm-hmm. working on and you've always been passionate about. And 
and you've always been involved with and I think that's really important I think um you know some students will come and focus only on kind of their education and that's fine and that's really well within everyone's rights you know we everyone has different motives for studying everyone has different motives for studying abroad and everyone has different motives for kind of the path that they take but I think it's really important to look at the bigger picture and looking at kind of the experience as well and like you say you had a perfectly good setup in Nigeria you were you know you were making a living you had um, opportunities and you had family and Mm -hmm. you had a degree Um, but sometimes you just need a change and a bit of a reset and I think it's really important to kind of look at all of the different things that your education can give you not just um, not just the degree certificate but also the life experience the cultural experience and um, I think you know I I think you you talk so modestly about it or so humbly about it but (laughs) just the the fact that you came over on on a 15-month program and just threw yourself right into um, into kind of um, community engagement and um, engagement with the guild is is no uh, small deal. <laughs> it's really yeah, I, I, I don't know if honestly, I don't know if that's a function of my personality because contrary to what people think, I'm an introvert, um, mm-hmm. and I also consider myself an ambivert. So somebody who comes off as extroverted but is actually an introvert. Um, but I think the reason I like you said, threw myself into all of those things and tried to grab as many opportunities as possible is partly because I grew up hearing things like, don't just go through university. Don't just pass university. Allow university to pass through you. <laughs> I don't know if that's a saying here, but that's something that I very much heard, I, I heard a lot of times as a as a young girl in high school, and I had a lot of uncles and aunties, people who weren't related to me by blood, but we call them uncles and aunties anyway. Um, and they would tell us uh, whenever they're going to university and you know how they're doing and the things that they're involved in. And they would always say, even my mom says, says it a lot. Well, she used to say it then, but she would say, don't, don't just go through university you know, let it go through you. So it means that don't just be a passerby, don't just go to classes and like, you know, take notes and leave, um, be a part of it, create memories, create experiences. It doesn't have to be you uh, going for every extracurricular activity. It could just be as simple as, you know, visiting all the, if you can, you know, a couple of new buildings on campus or knowing more about the history of your university, um, just being interested. You don't have to try everything, but just having that keen interest so that you feel like, although you've given a piece of yourself to the university, you feel like you're leaving with something as well, because, and how I see, because I see myself 20 years from now, if somebody asks me anything about Birmingham as a city, I would automatically think of the University of Birmingham and Mm -hmm. I would think about, I would have a lot of memories to pull out of my hat. But if I was just somebody who was only here to study and not do anything else apart from reading my books, which probably would have been best for me because I would have had better grades. Not not that I didn't have good grades, (laughs) Um, but you know, I I probably wouldn't have had enough stories. And and maybe the only stories that I would have had would be stories of the library closing earlier than I I expected it to close. (laughs) Um, But but it's it's yeah. Just my summary is you know, 
for anyone listening who who doesn't quite know why they're even in university and they just found their, their, their selves I mean nobody does but at the end of the day we ask questions and if you if you ever feel like you don't even know your purpose I think just just take it one step at a time just explore just move through it and if you find an opportunity that's interesting even if you're not you're not that kind of person who grabs every opportunity just be curious about it try to find more and try to put yourself out there if it doesn't work for you then just move on but don't just shut yourself out from everything I think would be my advice if we're giving advice so you don't have to take it by the way (laughs) I think that's so um that's so beautifully put and I think that that kind of idiom of don't don't just pass through it let it pass through you is Mm. really important because I think um you know university there's a lot of pressure on university students and there's a lot of pressure um to get grades and to get um a good job at the end of it and I think um you know the career aspect isn't just about you know that doesn't just come from grades that comes from experience as well but more than anything kind of I think university is transformative in shaping who you are as an individual Mm -hmm. and if you let it the friendships that you make and the experience that you have are ones that will stay with you and kind of shape what you then go on to do or you'll all of these new experiences will then kind of help you know set you off down a path of who you're meant to be and what you actually want to do because so many students myself included would start university with one idea of what they wanted to do um, as a career or for the rest of their life. Um, And by the time you finish university, all of those experience that you have has completely changed both your mindset, but also the path that you go down. Um, And I think it really helps students then make a more informed decision about what is right for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think, you know, it's really beautifully put and that's something that um, is tricky and I would imagine um, you know certainly for when thinking back to when I was an international student but from what I hear from a lot of international students is it is really easy to stay in groups of people from your home country or from yeah. a similar culture because um, it's familiar and it's comfortable yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that in some aspect because you do need that um, kind of sense of home and you do need that um sense of people that just understand kind of what what you're going through but it is also short-sighted to to only do that and I think some of the best um you know the the students that are most successful are the ones that have a wide range of experiences and people that they meet and engage with and I would imagine that your work with the guild you know introduced you to so many different people and lots of different experiences as well can you tell me a little bit about what um the role was as the postgraduate officer and and how you juggled that with your studies as well okay uh I'll try to be very succinct um (laughs) so first yeah as a sabbatical officer that's what we call um students who work um within the student union um so as a sabbatical officer first yeah, I was a postgraduate officer. Um, I did that part-time for a couple of weeks, more than a couple of weeks, actually, because it was towards the end of my year as a student. So I had that option to do it alongside my master's, but do it part-time until I finished my master's, or 
um, take a year off. So defer um, the completion of my master's until after I'd finished my year as a sabbatical officer. The macho woman in me decided, yeah, I'll just, I'll just carry on, I'll do it side by side. Bad idea um, because it stressed me out a lot. Um, and I wouldn't really advise anyone to do that alongside their studies, except they're very, very good at time management, which I wasn't very good at at that point. Um, so I didn't really manage my time properly. So I got very, very stressed. Um, but in terms of the role itself, it was, it was great because I initially decided to put myself forward for international officer um, because I felt like international students needed more of a voice on campus mm -hmm. and they needed somebody to speak out for them, especially from represented backgrounds. So not just um, students from, so I, I'm talking about racial backgrounds now. Um, and I then decided, hmm, how about I just do postgraduate officer instead? Because I feel like that even covers more. So it covers education as well. So not just you being, not just your international student identity, but the, the full experience that you, you have as a student, your education is specifically, and that's what the postgraduate officer role does. So when I was postgraduate officer, a lot of my work was to make sure that postgraduate students were not, a, were not an afterthought when decisions are being made about um, the well-being of students when it comes to education, their social life, opportunities on offer for them, including careers, um, mm -hmm. you know, just a range of things because a lot of us, especially master's students, are only there for a year, except it's part-time and we're there longer. Um, and a lot of people were not as well because most of the offers at that time, and I don't know what it looks like now, were very much tailored to either a younger crowd, what I would say crowd, a younger demographic, um, or a more involved demographic. And that would mostly be undergraduate students or freshers who are, who, whom a lot of them are young. Um, mm -hmm. And that means that master students, who most of them are mature students, in the definition being um, that they've uh, past a certain age, um, I think 25 is the age, um, mm -hmm. and you know a lot of them are professionals, a lot of them have jobs that they're doing, a lot of them have children, and you know their needs and their wants, their likes are not the same as freshers who have just come out of high school and coming into university, very, very different, and so I try to articulate that in my relationship with the Guild and my relationship with the university to say, you know, these, these things need to be considered. So every single room that I set foot in, every single board that I sat on, be it about well-being of students, be it about the social life of students, be it about just general support, I would always be there to articulate the voices of postgraduate students. Um, in my time at the Guild, I try to make sure that there were regular social activities that postgraduate students could attend and feel comfortable and not feel like, you know, it was just, it just, just feel like it was well thought out for them. Um, and I kept doing that. I tried to also create opportunities for PhD students or researchers to work. Um, I tried to reestablish a good friendship and well, relationship between the guild and the um the research community um the phd birmingham phd community and i think that went really well i think that's there to open more opportunities for conversations to be had so conversations that have not been had in the past in terms of how students can feel 
better integrated, um, you know, celebrating unique identities rather than forcing or making people um, blend in. I think my, my whole stance was I don't want postgraduate students to blend in. I want them to feel celebrated. I want their individualities and their identities and their, you know, values and ideals to be respected and celebrated and, you know, not just them blending in basically. Um, so that was really good. I had a lot of, a lot of comments from postgraduate students. I made a lot of good friends. And then when I became president, my, my brief changed slightly. So it wasn't just postgraduate students, it was now 38,000 students at the University of Birmingham. So I had to, every room that I set, <laughs> every room that I set foot in, I had to have the hat of, how does this sound? So if, if, if the university says, you know, we want to come up with this project that would improve the experience of students at the University of Birmingham, the first question I ask myself before asking that question in the room is, how does this affect undergraduate students? How does this affect undergraduate international students? How does this affect part-time students? How does this affect mature students? What about postgraduate students? What about students with caring responsibilities? What about um, care leavers? You know, all of these questions I had to ask in the room and they, they were, it was never an easy conversation to have because at the end of the day, there are 38,000 students at the University of Birmingham. You cannot possibly make everybody happy. And even if everyone's voice is, is coming through my mouth at some point, but louder in quotes, so it's echoing, it's not just my voice, yeah. it's just echoing 38,000 times. Um, it, it's still always a difficult conversation because you know it's just not possible to, to have a perfect, one size fit all customer approach to ensuring that everyone has a good student experience, which is why you have different officers at the guild. You don't just have the president, you have the education officer, you have the international officer, you have somebody who's focused on mental health and well-being, sports, activities, all of these things, so that we can be in different places at different times saying the same thing, basically, to make sure that mm -hmm. students feel represented. And students are not an afterthought and make sure that they get value for their time and their money and that everybody feels respected in that space. Um, so, so yeah, it, it was an amazing time for me because not only did I learn more about the workings of the university, I learned to be more diplomatic. I learned a lot of skills, not just diplomacy, actually, I think is more about relationship management, crisis management, project management, all of these things that really helped me when I was interviewing for jobs because it felt like I was, although I was I was still in university, I already had access to high level skills and high level engagement that not every student had access to. And that kind of shaped my thinking. And I, even if I see it as a blessing, it's kind of a curse as well, because I went into the world, the world of work and I can't possibly apply to become a director. At, at, at a job, you know, at my level at the moment, because I came out of university as a director on, you know, the trust, um, the, the guilds board as a governor at the university. Um, and, you know, coming out of that, having that high profile experience, high profile engagement, even with MP, and then having to look for jobs and starting to humble myself a lot more to say, right, you have the high level no notions or high level experiences, but how do you then try to balance that out? How do you then get the operational experience that you need? 
because it, it was like reverse for me. Many people start at the bottom of the food chain and work their way up, but I started from the bottom <laughs> and I'm having to you know, work my way up again. Um, that's, that's just a snapshot of what it was like at some point. Sometimes it was chaotic. Um, time, there were times where students were not happy with us and there were times where people were excited and there were times where, you know, the relationship within the university and the, and the guild were a bit strained because, you know, we had to agree to dis disagree to agree. Um, it, it wasn't all rosy, but it was very, very insightful and definitely an experience that I am super grateful, super, super grateful that I've had the pleasure of having when whenever we meet guild officers in our job it's um it's so impressive the amount that you kind of juggle um with your studies and then directly after your studies as well and i think um like you say you have to have a high level of diplomacy and you have to be able to en engage with key stakeholders from mm. all levels whether it's new students prospective students right through to um you know i'd imagine senior Oh, yeah. um colleagues within the university and also yeah. within government and around the uk and and overseas as well and i think um i would imagine then that transition like you say into looking for work is tricky because you already have so many skills which are beneficial to a workplace environment and um which employers are desperate to have mm -hmm. and are desperate to kind of foster with recent graduates that they hire but then it's also um, an act of balancing the fact that you know you have those skills without trying to come across as uh, too good for any of the jobs mm -hmm. that are available <laughs> at your level so yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine that that you know it's, it's a tricky a, one yeah it is a, it's a tricky balancing act and how did you find um, I guess firstly did you know that you wanted to stay in the UK after your time as guild president or were you looking at options back in Nigeria or elsewhere or oh, okay both, both. so I was looking at options in Nigeria um, mm -hmm. because I wasn't finding good options in the UK yeah and by good options I mean um, companies or organizations willing to sponsor my visa because as an international student you can't get a job without having a visa sponsor mm -hmm. um, a tier two sponsor um, so the fact that I was hitting a lot of stumbling blocks, you know, I would get through to the final stage of, of an application and get told, oh, you know, your application was great, but we can't take you at this time because we don't offer sponsorship. Um, or I would go for an interview and they'd say, oh, that was great, but we can't offer sponsorship. So it, it was always, it was that constant battle of, you know, the back and forth, we can offer sponsorship. So I started to look for opportunities at home because I thought, well, I've had really a really good experience. I've had a really good education here. Mm -hmm. um, I think I can definitely find something back home. Um, albeit wouldn't have been commensurate to the experience I've already had. Um, I wouldn't have been adequately compensated in my yeah. opinion. So yes, I was definitely looking for jobs in Nigeria. Um, but I was looking more for jobs here because I felt like there were more opportunities for me to progress in my chosen field and network because I'd already tasted two years of that already and I, and I didn't want to have to go back home because all I've ever done at home is music and that's the mm -hmm. landscape that I'm familiar with. I didn't want to have to throw myself into the unknown and work my way up from 
nowhere because it's a system, in my opinion, that is set up set up for people's failures. Um, okay. There's hardly any jobs, and even when there are opportunities, it's always the battle of who you know. Um, so yeah, I was much more focused on finding a job and staying in the UK. Mm-hmm. And did you um, engage with any kind of any of the support available at the university? when you were looking for jobs did you did you um get involved in any of the kind of career careers network activity or um was it more a case of you knew what you were looking for and you felt like it was kind of a a bit more of a solo journey oh it it was a bit of both um okay. i did a lot of research a mm-hmm. lot of reading a lot of consulting kinds of sources online to find something at least. Um, I contacted Careers Network um, to help me specifically in how to like get ready for interviews, um, checking my CV, um, things that I should say or should not say in an interview, how to just ba- the basics that a lot of us take for granted. Yeah. I obviously wasn't born here. I don't, I wouldn't have known at that point, if I didn't seek help from Careers Network to know how employers here think, how they behave, the kind of things they're looking for. You know, if it was back in Nigeria, it would be easier for me because I've I've lived there all my life and I've heard stories. I've seen people who have done interviews. I can always ask someone and I would know what to, to do. Um, but I just, it's an, it was a new terrain, still a new terrain. And I just felt like, yes, I needed help. And so yeah, Careers Network was very, very helpful, especially when, you know, I would, so I remember one time I'd actually have like a job opportunity and I'd have my cover letter written, I'd have my CV tailored to that job opportunity. And I remember somebody from Careers Network would go through everything, ask me some questions and try to see if I've thought about certain things and, you know, prompt me to think about some other things that could be asked and how I could potentially help, help myself stand out. Um, I received a lot of coaching from the guild as well. So we had a coach that was assigned to us for personal development. Um, and they helped me a lot in like getting ready for interviews and jobs and signposting me to sources for information. Colleagues at the guild were also very, 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 very helpful. Um, so it was a good balance I think getting a lot of help from the guild but also careers network I think yeah and yeah I'm still actually still in touch with careers network I think that's like my that's my only contact point at the moment with the university apart from the guild which is like family oh you have such such an interesting story because you did really hit the ground running and you and that isn't to say that your journey hasn't been without challenges Mm -hmm. but I think you really recognized what those challenges were and you had the forethought to kind of foresee them and think, okay, what do I need to do to overcome this challenge yeah. and get the help that you needed or engage um, with whatever you needed to engage with to kind of overcome that challenge and move on to the next thing. And that kind of um, determination and um, just drive mm-hmm. is really, um, you know, it's really important. And I think, like you say, with regard to kind of things like CV and interview help, there are certain things that are, um, I guess, second nature to students that grew up here. And I think, um, you know, how a CV is laid out, for instance, in the UK varies compared to other countries. And I think as an international student in particular, that's something that's really important to seek advice on because a lot of these companies, what some people don't 
don't kind of fully appreciate is a lot of these companies will send CVs, you know, they get thousands of them and they just send them through kind of CV scanning apps. And if you don't have the keywords that they expect, or if you don't have the layout that they expect, then they have to weed them out somehow. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel fair, but there are oftentimes small tweaks that students can make to make them their CV more attractive to employers. Um, and I think that's where we can really offer a lot of support and a lot yeah. of help. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, your current role. What, what does it involve on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, and how have you found that transition into work from, I guess, studying and then, and then the guild? So, I mean, you were already working after studying, but um, I guess into, how have you found that transition into work post-university kind of phase? It was very smooth for me um, because I was already used to fast-paced environments, already used to, uh, dare I say, chaos. <laughs> Higher education is no joke. Um, and I was already used to high-level, um, like digesting high-level content, high-level um, workload. So the transition was easy for me because it's a children's rights charity that works to empower um, and support care experienced children and young people as well as vulnerable adults. Um, and so it, at some point when I even started working at the charity, I felt like it was too slow for me. I felt like I had a lot of adrenaline and a lot of energy that I needed to let out of my system but it was just too quiet and, and yeah. I, I probably spoke soon because just a couple of months after it became chaotic <laughs> but but not not in a bad way anyway it's just you know it became very busy is is what i should say um so the transition was very good for me i have a fantastic manager who is very understanding very open-minded who who just helped me settle in and my colleague my the research assistant within my team was a very small team um also helped me settle in really well and the fact that it's 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 a sector that i wasn't 100 familiar with um in terms of children's rights advocacy policy and all of those things. i did a lot of policy in my role at the guild but it was everything was education higher education policy yeah. higher education um everything that just has to do with education and the law that we were looking at was you know the education act um a lot of the things that i was uh, exposed to education completely so being in this role i had to do a lot of reading i had to get familiar with a lot of um guide guidelines and guidance and like laws within the space of like safeguarding children's rights children's representation participation and all of that um in terms of my role so i'm like i said earlier i'm the public affairs and engagement officer at the charity and in layman terms my job is part of my job is um making sure that the voices of children and young people um, come through the work that we do at NIAS. Um, and part of my job as well in layman terms is to connect the charity with key influencers, key stakeholders, politicians, for instance, that would help shape the campaign that we run to support children mm -hmm. and young people. So my job is very much 
youth engagement and participation, making sure that the voices of children are championed in our work, is um, making sure that our campaigns reach the right people and that they affect the change that children want to see. Um, I also try to connect um, my charity with relevant groups of people, not so not just um, politicians now, so other organizations. Lately, I've, I've been managing a relationship between the charity and an external uh, organized company um, who work to support care experience children and young people. So it's just, I, I would say, if I were to say in a word what, or in a nutshell what my job is, is relationship management and connecting my charity to the right people and just, just making sure that I heard. Um, yeah, that's the summary. And in terms of what it looks like day to day, I have quite a number of meetings, internal and external. Most of my external meetings are with other charities that do similar work with us, um, sometimes with um, politicians, um, Department for Education, DHSE, NHS, uh, other external meetings I have. So this is kind of external slash internal. Um, it's, the young people that we work with to influence and in our campaigns who volunteer to shape our campaign so they come up with campaigns ideas we go away to fact check we do all the legwork all the data collection we bring it back to them and they tell us oh yeah okay so let's recommend to the government that the government changes this and that and we go okay that's feasible we can do that we can definitely um, champion voices and we just go ahead and do it so very similar again to what i did at the guild you know, looking, asking students of the, what issues they're facing. And they tell us, we need um, a water fountain in the library, for instance. And we go, okay, if this is what you want, no problem. We take it to the university yeah. and we make a case for you and look for all the evidence as to why students need a water fountain, for instance, in the, in, in the library. Um, and we just try to get it done. So that's a summary of what I do. It sounds like, Toby, you were made for this role. I think your experiences kind of have led you to a career path like this one. And I think it is um, highly commendable, the work that you're doing. And it sounds like it's incredibly fulfilling as well. If you could give one piece of advice for um, prospective or current international students, um, about how they can make the most of their time at Birmingham or just generally in the UK, what they can do. Um, it doesn't have to be careerized, but obviously it's a careers podcast. <laughs> um, but what, what they can do um, to make their most of their time here, um, what would it be? I think I would say just go for it, you know. Any, any opportunity that you find around you or that you see your friends have said, oh, this is a nice uh, opportunity or careers network is advertising something. Just be curious, try it out. There's no harm in trying. If you're not interested, just drop it. I, I think it's incredibly important. And I know I'm trying to make this as concise as possible, <laughs> but I would say why it's important. In my case, I decided many things as possible. And even at, even if at that time I was having 
doubts and I was asking myself, why am I putting myself under all of this pressure? Why am I doing all, all these things? Even if it did not make sense at that period, period of time. When I started to look for jobs and I needed to put my CV together, I needed to say what my experiences have been, especially as an international student who hasn't worked in this country before, up until when I became a sabbatical officer. All of those that came into play, all the me joining Model NATO, for instance, it, it came in handy. My role within that came in handy. Me being a part of a society, being a secretary of a society came in handy. All of those experiences, however little, me volunteering for uh, a charity came in handy. All the skills that I've learned, there's no little skill. There's no, there's no such thing as a little skill. It would always come in handy. And that's why I keep encouraging people to just grab opportunities as they come. Don't be afraid to try out new things. Just try it out, basically. That's, that's my advice. And ask people, just ask you know, ask friends, ask Careers Network, ask your mentors, ask as well. It's, it's incredibly important that people are open-minded and willing. But again, if it's not your personality to be so, just still stay curious. At least you can do that. You can be curious. <laughs> I think that's so um, important. And I read something the other day, and I feel like I come across this phrase really regularly so maybe it's kind of life trying to tell me something but I think there's an there's an old phrase that you never regret the risks that you take you only regret the ones that you don't take you regret not taking opportunities you don't regret trying things you don't regret um opportunities that you explored you regret the ones that you never explored so I think that's really really sound advice um Toby it has been wonderful talking to you thank you so much for your time I really thank enjoyed our conversation same. I feel like I could talk to you for hours yeah, um, <laughs> and that's probably why we just won't leave you alone at careers now oh, no my doors go. my virtual doors are always open <laughs> well thank you so much it's been so lovely to talk to you and um I really look forward to kind of following your career and and seeing the wonderful things that you get up to thank you very much mm-hmm.